Welcome to Bible Bedtime. My name is Dana and I am your host and I am so happy that you're here. Thank you for joining us. Here at Bible Bedtime, it is our intention to help you fall asleep peacefully by reading a full chapter of the Bible. Now, I alternate each episode between the Old Testament and the New Testament. After I read the chapter, I also read the 23rd Psalm and I end the podcast with a reading of the Lord's Prayer. Each episode of Bible Bedtime is heard around the world in hundreds of cities across dozens of nations. And I appreciate every single one of you. Tonight I'd like to say a special hello to our listeners in Osaka, Japan. You have a beautiful city and a beautiful country, and I am so blessed that you are joining us. In some of our recent episodes, I have been talking a bit about the way your brain works while you're asleep. It's so easy to think that When you fall asleep, your brain just turns off. (laughs) And science has told us that there is nothing further from the truth. Your brain is still very busy at night, doing the maintenance work that's required in order for you to be effective the following day. And there are many different parts of the brain that we've already talked about. There's the hypothalamus that controls your sleeping. There's the brain stem that that communicates with the hypothalamus. And then there's the thalamus that provides information from your senses to the cerebral cortex. Of course, while you're asleep, you want that thalamus to be quiet because you don't want stimulation coming from your senses. Now, also within your brain is something called the pineal gland, and it produces hormones and chemicals that help you get sleepy. There is the basal forebrain, which of course is at the front of your brain. And it helps you decide whether you're going to sleep or be awake. That's really where caffeine does a lot of its work to keep you awake and alert. Finally, the amygdala, which is not only one of my favorite words to say, 
but the amygdala is also a part of your brain that is involved in processing emotions. And so as you can imagine, the amygdala is hard at work while you are dreaming. All these parts of your brain change their activity when you're asleep. And all of them work together to make sure that you have a peaceful night's sleep. And all these parts of your brain were designed perfectly by your creator. Why? Because God loves you and wants you to have the kind of life where you can fulfill God's will for your life, whatever it is, whatever challenges you face or overcome or live with, God still has a plan for you to bring glory to his kingdom. But the one obstacle that we want to avoid is a lack of sleep. You need sleep. Sleep is not a luxury. It's not an indulgence. It is vital, meaning you need it to live. So let's enjoy it by falling asleep peacefully. As we do in each episode, we are going to take three deep breaths to trigger those different parts of our brains to know that it is time now to sleep. Here we go. One. Two. And three. Excellent. Tonight we're reading Mark 12. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send 
the son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? Will he come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others? Haven't you read this scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then they looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought him the coin and he asked them, Whose portrait is this, and, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died, leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like angels in heaven. Now, about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are 
badly mistaken. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, How is it that the teachers of law say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? The large crowd listened to him with delight. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite Place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on.
the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. prayer, which is found in Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 